Welcome in everyone to another episode of my Dynasty Fantasy Football YouTube channel. This time we're doing something a little different. We're going to look at a Dynasty Superflex rookie mock draft, but unlike the one we did on Sleeper last time, we're going to take a real mock draft. This one was from the Draft Countdown done by Shane Hallam, who also is with me at DLF. And he went through all seven rounds. And based on that mock draft, we will do a rookie mock draft with those landing spots. Now, the point of this is not to go through each prospect and talk about the merits of each prospect. We're going to have plenty of that. The NFL Combine is coming. A lot of videos on that. The point of this is to show you how values can rise or fall based on landing spot and draft capital. So with that said, let's jump straight into it. 101, still Caleb Williams. Quarterback went to the Bears, first overall pick. And there were no trades in this mock, so essentially that was locked in. Won't waste time on this one. Williams has been the Superflex 101 forever. This is the expected landing spot. I have him entering the NFL probably as the Dynasty QB8 behind Justin Herbert, but ahead of Kyler Murray. And I'm, I'm pretty much all in on Caleb Williams. Next. And this is also pretty much locked in for me. Marvin Harrison Jr., 102. He went to the Cardinals at fourth overall in this draft. I think this is a dream landing spot. It's pretty much his floor. I've never seen a mock draft where he goes past four. He's a generational wide receiver prospect. That term is used correctly in his case. One of the best wide receiver prospects of all time. One of the best in the dynasty era. And, you know, you can compare him to guys like Randy Moss, Julio Jones, AJ Green, Jamar Chase, Amari Cooper. Those are the prospects on his level in terms of prospect quality. And the worst one in that list just put up 72 catches and 1,250 yards in his ninth NFL season to Mark Cooper. So, yeah. No, the, Marvin Harrison Jr. to me is landing spot proof. He's going to be my 102 in Superflex, essentially no matter what. Now, now we get into where things change. So, I think this is what everyone wants. Malik Neighbors, wide receiver to the Chargers, Fifth overall. I mean, this is amazing. He gets to play with Justin Herbert for his entire rookie contract. He's the opportunity to play alongside an aging Keenan Allen at first, so he doesn't have to do everything for the offense. But he has a great quarterback. So with this landing spot, for me, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., they're one and two, no doubt. Malik Neighbors, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, they're a tier. But with this landing spot, I have Malik Neighbors at the top of that tier at 103. Let's move into Drake May, quarterback, commander, second overall. I think it's been very mixed. I've seen a lot of Jaden Daniels second overall. I've seen a lot of Drake May. May, to me, better NFL prospect. Daniels has more rushing upside. Based on the landing spots, if the Daniels and May go to the commanders and Patriots, I'm probably going to prefer the one who goes to the commanders over the one who goes to the Patriots. I just have a, a good sense of the Patriots organization right now. So, yeah, I'm leaning Drake May at 104. He is a very good prospect. And he'd be worthy of the number one overall pick in, in some classes that don't have Caleb Williams. And then Jaden Daniels, quarterback to the Patriots. I wish he went elsewhere. I, I really wish this was like a trade-up for the Falcons or something. But it is the worst landing spot. 
So I still have him at 105. I don't think, unless Mayor Daniels falls out of the top 10, I don't think I'm going to be moved on Malik Neighbors, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, 103 through 105 in Superflex. I don't think I can be moved on that. But the order kind of depends on landing spot, and I'm just not a big fan of this one. We will see later on that the Patriots got Xavier Worthy at 34th overall. I do like that. I do like that. So that's a step in the right direction. I just don't have faith in the Patriots right now. Next one. And we started the draft. Romo Dunze, Giants, sixth overall. Six players, three wide receivers, three quarterbacks in the in this mock draft. So all fantasy-relevant players at the top of the draft. Maybe I'm going to have to stream uh, <laughs> night one of the draft. We'll see. I'm a bit shocked to see Adunze this high. I don't love the pick for the Giants, but I don't know what they would do if they were in this spot. I think their biggest needs are quarterback and wide receiver. <laughs> so I think they really want Malik Neighbors, but if it doesn't work out, it's a good opportunity for Adunze. He'll have the opportunity to be the Giants' top receiving weapon immediately. Immediately. There's no question. He's the top receiver on the Giants by a lot. So he's kind of 106 by default. But is this the best situation for him to succeed? No. The Giants have their quarterback situation secure? No. So I don't love it. But he's still 106 for me. Next, now, we have a big winner here. J.J. McCarthy, quarterback, Falcons, eighth overall. This is a jackpot. This is the jackpot. Everything you could want here. I find this hard to believe because I think the Falcons will have already filled the quarterback situation with Kirk Cousins, most likely, in free agency. I don't think they're going to sign Kirk Cousins and draft McCarthy eighth overall. I don't, I don't see that happening. If they traded for Justin Fields, I could see them also drafting J.J. McCarthy, but we'll have to see. Either way, no better landing spot. We have the running game that he had at Michigan. B. John Robinson here. Drake London, Kyle Pitts we have. And in this draft, they also added Tez Walker, Devontae Walker, in the third round. A great value in this class. So I this is the best possible landing spot for a quarterback. I am so hoping that the Falcons trade up to three somehow or whatever. Whoever they get, I'm going to be excited for their quarterback. So he actually moved ahead of Brock Bowers. Because remember, we're not doing tight end premium here. And as we're about to see with Brock Bowers, I'm a little disappointed. Brock Bowers, tight end, Colts, 15th overall. I will say, this is the first legitimate mock that I've seen that doesn't have Brock Bowers in the top 10. And I think this is the lowest I've ever seen him fall. So that's, we'll see. But I will say, I hate this spot. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Why? We've already seen that this Colts offense with Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew didn't support any receiving weapons beyond Michael Pittman. Even the Lamar Jackson Ravens, the best case scenario, they really struggled to even support Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews at the same time. And the ceiling, the volume isn't there on this team. This is not what, what we want. Additionally, the Colts are going to want to run the ball. They have Anthony Richardson, who runs. They just signed Jonathan Taylor to a massive extension. 
even when Taylor wasn't in the lineup, Zach Moss had at least 18 carries in all the games that Richardson played. So I'm not totally fading Bowers. He's still in the same tier as Odunze and McCarthy, but this pushed him to the bottom of the tier and almost kind of in a middle zone between these guys and the next group. So I hope this is not the real life landing spot. I don't think it will be. I think he's going to go in the top 10. But I get it. Tight ends are easy to find on the free agent market, and they don't cost a lot. So I understand why a team would be reluctant, especially after Kyle Pitts, to spend high draft capital on a tight end. Now, J.J. McCarthy, I think, was our big winner. But if we want to do a second big winner, Troy Franklin. This is the landing spot everyone wants. I guarantee you, guarantee 100%, you can book it now. Whichever wide receiver goes 32nd overall to the Chiefs will be a first-round rookie pick. I don't care if it's the worst prospect. I don't care if it's the one that everyone hates. You know, I don't care if it's Lad McConkey. Not that people hate Lad McConkey, but people don't have him as a first-round pick now in rookie drafts. But if he goes 32nd overall to the Chiefs, I guarantee you he will be a first-round pick in Superflex rookie drafts. Luckily, though, Troy Franklin... Don't hate him. I have Brian Thomas Jr. ahead as a prospect, but not much ahead. And I got to tell you, I am all in on this landing spot. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl and still didn't have sufficient offensive talent. This is a great landing spot. However, it's important to resist. I'm fine pushing, you know, Franklin up to 109, or even if this were X-worthy, or, you know, Keon Coleman, other players, I'm fine pushing them up to 109. It's important to resist. Troy Franklin did not become better than Romo Dunze because of the landing spot. You know, that that didn't happen. I'm not going to pick him over J.J. McCarthy because of the landing spot in Superflex. So, yes, it's going to push him way up the board. No, it's not going to push him all the way up the board. So that's something to consider. Unfortunately, take every positive thing I said and reverse it here. This is a disaster landing spot for Brian Thomas Jr., who is my wide receiver four in this class. I like him better than Franklin coming in. He did go higher, but this is the biggest disaster. It doesn't land mine in the entire NFL draft. The Ravens need a wide receiver to replace the departing Odell Beckham Jr. Free agents know better than to sign in Baltimore. It's where your market value goes to die. You don't produce anything there. Even without Mark Andrews, for who was injured, no one other than Zay Flowers did much, and he wasn't even that great. How is it going to work now with another wide receiver coming in there? Is Brian Thomas Jr. better than Zay Flowers, who played well as a rookie in the NFL? Maybe, maybe not. I'm careful not to overreact to landing spot because I love Thomas Jr. as a prospect, and he got the draft capital, but there's no ceiling here. I look at him at 110, and I'm like, is he ever going to be worth more than 110? He'd probably have to just cast the Zay Flowers aside to do that. So this would kill me if I saw this as the landing spot. but. Given that no other wide receivers won in the first round, I'd probably have to stick with him here. But it's it's brutal. 111. We see a running back. I didn't expect it. And I don't think in the real draft that it's going to work out this way because I feel as if more wide receivers will go in the first round. I do. But Jonathan Brooks, who was just declared ready, should be ready for training camp. The recent report said, if that's really true, and he gets this kind of draft capital, 
and the landing spot on the Cowboys, I am fine taking him in the late first, not the mid first, late first. He's never going to break into that top eight. And more than likely, there's going to be a few first-round wide receivers. Still taking the first-round wide receivers over him. But we extinguished all of the first-round wide receivers. No one in the second round hit a great combination of everything. So for those reasons, Jonathan Brooks, 111, I think he just is that value. I will say, though, you know, Jonathan Brooks, 111, have, like, Bucky Irving at 207. What would I rather? Probably Bucky Irving at 207 over Jonathan Brooks at 111. So there's a massive tier, but Brooks is the one with the ability to break out of that tier. And we'll see what happens. Next, X Worthy, Xavier Worthy, wide receiver. Patriots, 34th overall. Now, you would say, oh, the Patriots, they're a bad landing spot. Now, for the quarterback, maybe, but Jim Daniels has this is his only weapon. There's no one else there. He has a clear path to the wide receiver one spot on the depth chart, competing with like Pop Douglas. I mean, it's not, you know, nothing special. So I know I like Brian Thomas Jr. a lot better as a prospect, but there's just more upside here on the Patriots. Jaden Daniels, I think, is going to throw a lot more than Lamar Jackson does. He's a better thrower, at least as a prospect. And I don't, there is no other Lamar as a runner. That, that doesn't exist. So, yeah. I like this spot for X-Worthy. And it's a big riser over where, you know, he could have been if he went a little lower. He kind of went, I don't know if he's going to go in the first round. This is about what I'd expect, I guess. But he, the opportunity for playing time early is, is really good here. And the opportunity to build chemistry with a new quarterback. I noticed that works well. Rookie wide receiver and rookie quarterback in the same class. You had your CJ Stroud and Tank Dell. I do notice that oftentimes can be something successful. Now, if you like what we're doing here, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. And of course, the Patreon, patreon.com slash fantasy advice. It's right up there. You can get all of my rookie ranks, and they're updated throughout the offseason. With the NFL Combine coming, they're going to continue to be updated. We are going to go through three rounds here. Now, there were so many fantasy-relevant players. I didn't feel like two rounds was enough. So we're going to give you bonus coverage going all the way to three rounds. But let's get into the second round right now. Now, I think this is the biggest riser by spots of anyone in this exercise. Roman Wilson, wide receiver to the Panthers, 33rd overall. The Panthers, pretty good spot. Bryce Young, I don't know, but... They only have Adam Thielen and Jonathan Mingo. Neither of them are it. T. Higgins is off the market, so he's not going there. I think Wilson helps turn Bryce Young around. It's a step in the right direction. And recent NFL reports have raved about Wilson, saying he's going to go a lot higher than people think. So I would love this. It would confirm that the NFL agrees with the dynasty love for Roman Wilson. So, yeah, 201 at this spot. And it just goes to show you, draft capital more important to me than prospect eval, as you'll see with some of the guys who are behind Roman Wilson. Oh, that's a Keon Coleman. Now, I, I think this is not realistic. I do not see a world in which Keon Coleman falls to 45th overall. He's just too exciting. He's going to go in the first round. But this is a decent spot. He'll immediately be, be wide receiver two behind Chris Olave. I still believe in Coleman's talent. And 45th overall is not bad draft capital. The line's somewhere around 50, at which it starts to fade you know the ability of the 
player to succeed in fantasy. It's fades around 50. So 45 still within that range. I don't have any issue with the landing spot, but I do wish the draft capital was a little higher. Next one, Lab McConkey, uh, wide receiver Titans, 38th overall. Maybe the Titans will finally have their Kyle Phillips. I saw on Twitter, Lad McConkey being uh, comped to Kyle Phillips. He's a good slot compliment to DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks on the outside. He'll help Will Levis. But is this my favorite landing spot? Absolutely not. Levis is kind of an unknown. He wasn't that great last year other than the first game. But if Lad McConkey goes 38th overall, that means he deserves respect. He deserves respect. It's Im impossible to drop him too low in my rankings. So I'm going to have him here. Now, the biggest thing is there were a lot of third round running backs and all of them went to good spots. However, as you'll see, Trey Benson kind of stood apart from the others. He went at least 15 picks earlier than all the rest. There's a difference between 70th overall and like picked in the 90s. There, there is a difference there. The Giants could have used this pick. There were other good players available. They chose to go with Benson, who is my wide running back two in this class behind Jonathan Brooks. And I think if the Giants spent this kind of capital on Benson, he'll be their day one starter. I, I don't see why they would spend this much capital on someone they don't expect to be their day one starter. I think they're going to let Saquon Barkley walk. So the round three capital scares me a little bit. We see round three running backs are, I mean, Tank Bigsby, Tyrion Davis-Price, Trey Sermon, Royce Freeman. It's not a guarantee. It can be really bad. But I think 204 is a good middle ground for Trey Benson. Now, here we come to the overreaction. Braylon Allen, running back to the Chiefs. <laughs> I think we have to be careful. 95th overall, one of the last picks of the third round. It doesn't mean he's going to overtake Isaiah Pacheco. If anything, I think that's rather unlikely. It does say that the Chiefs expect him to be their RB2. Usually you don't spend third-round picks if you don't expect them to be at least your backup. But we've seen that it doesn't always work out, like Tank Bigsby, Kendrick Miller. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Of course, Braylon Allen is young. He has insane upside. And the reason why I have him over Blake Corum, who was drafted later or earlier, but to a different spot, is that Allen is three years younger. Isaiah Pacheco has two years left on his rookie contract. After that's up, Braylon Allen will still be younger than Blake Corum is now. So he has more time to hit. That's why I have him a little bit higher. But I, I guarantee you some people will pick him in the first round if this was the landing spot, and it won't be me. It won't be me. We have to stop saying that third-round running backs will just push aside Good incumbents. Different for Trey Benson, where there was no incumbent. Here, there is an incumbent who's been a part of two Super Bowl winning teams. We can't just say that Braylon Allen is going to push Isaiah Pacheco aside. We've made this mistake too many times. So 205 is a good mix of risk for Braylon Allen. Now we get to one of my least favorite landing spots. Adonai Mitchell. I love Adonai Mitchell. I think he has a chance to go in the first round. He's one of the players, and I saw Brett Coleman posted about this on Twitter. He's someone who, imagine he went to the Chiefs at 32 overall. How much? He'd be a first-round pick in the same spot Troy Franklin was in this exercise. But this landing spot? I don't love it. I'm on Ross St. Brown. 
is locked in as the wide receiver one. That's not going to change. Sam Laporta is the dynasty tight end one. Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery are integral to the offense. There's going to be a running game. These players all combine to make Jamison Williams irrelevant. Adonai Mitchell is nowhere near as good of a prospect as Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams was better prospect, significantly better. So Mitchell was a wide receiver I found to be a premium wide receiver in this class. So hard to drop him that much lower, especially when he still went in the second round. But this landing spot is tough. It's tough. And to be honest, I don't think it's realistic. I don't think the Lions are looking to spend a round two pick at wide receiver. I think they still believe in Jamison Williams. I think they're looking maybe at more of a combination of bringing Josh Reynolds back and taking, you know, maybe a day three guy. But if this happened, it would be a downgrade. It would definitely be a downgrade. Next, Bucky Irving. Running back, Texans, 86th overall. He found his way to a great offense. He got the third round capital I wasn't sure he was going to get. I would assume that if this happened, the Texans wouldn't just have Damian Pierce and Bucky Irving. I don't think that's realistic. Too weak of a backfield. I would assume that if they made this pick, that they signed a veteran, maybe retaining Devin Singletary, but not a superstar. Otherwise, they wouldn't have spent third round draft capital. I think if they signed Saquon Barkley, they're not going to also draft Bucky Irving. That doesn't make sense. But it would be part of a committee where he would have the inside track to probably the RB2 role and then a potential to push maybe Singletary, whoever it is, aside after that. But yeah, this is a good landing spot for Bucky Irving. He moves up significantly because for me, my biggest doubt with Irving is the draft capital. And he fixed that. He got it. So with that, it removes my biggest doubt about Bucky Irving. Now, we kind of have a, a redo of the Adonai Mitchell situation here with Xavier Leggett. I love the draft capital to the 49ers, 63rd overall. But unless this is because the, uh, the Lions, the 49ers traded Brandon Ayuk, there's no room for Leggett to succeed year one. We've had many players drafted into this offense that are supposed to have a role. Nobody has ever really displaced Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey. It's, it's never going to happen. It's not happening. One of those players would have to leave or get hurt. So you will have to wait for Xavier Leggett. Now, if this were Brandon Ayuk is traded and Xavier Leggett is the replacement for Brandon Ayuk, this would not be my price. But I think a Brandon Ayuk trade would have happened already. Like, we would know, not be wondering after the draft if it was going to happen. So... Knowing that y'all, I also would hope that Xavier Leggett goes before the 63rd overall pick. Most mocks have had him earlier than that. So I'd be a little disappointed in the draft capital. But 49ers are a great offense. So you will have to wait for him. But this is a fair price. There are a lot, as you've seen, there are a lot of good players in this class. There are a lot of them. So. Yeah, I have him at 208. That doesn't mean I'm not interested. It just means that there are other players I like more. Next one. And this one, I think, is the biggest test of landing spot versus kind of my evaluation. So Malachi Corley, wide receiver to the Bills, 60th overall. I don't love Corley as a prospect. I don't would not draft him here. But he got second-round draft capital. He went ahead of Mitchell and Leggett. I would assume that this would be... They keep Stefan Diggs. Corley is their replacement for Gabe Davis. And then they have 
Khalil Shakir, Dalton Kincaid on the chart. But if you tell me that Corley goes here, is he probably going to be a mid to early second round pick? Yes. Will I be interested in that price? Absolutely not. I'd much rather have Khalil Shakir for a third of the cost. I will have no Malachi Corley in this scenario because 209 is not going to be enough to get him. So that's kind of my take on Malachi Corley. Blake Corum, 210, running back Packers, 91st overall. To me, this is a, a disaster for Blake Corum. If I'm going to draft a running back who turns 24 in October, they better be the immediate, unquestioned day one starter. I can't wait for Blake Corum to maybe gain value later. That's not going to work. So I also thought that Blake Corum would be a late second round pick, not 91st overall. So for those reasons, what's the value upside? If he's decent as a rookie, he turned 25 in his second year. You're never going to get much value for Blake Corum. Aaron Jones, we've ridden the demise of Aaron Jones forever. It hasn't happened. So I think that the Packers are going to run it back with Aaron Jones as a starter. I don't think there's a universe in which Blake Corum will ever be worth a first-round dynasty pick. Ever. Not as not at his age, not in this situation, not with this starting draft capital. So if this is it, I'm totally out. I need to see a better landing spot, better draft capital, something that gives me confidence that he's going to be the day one starter or day one relevant because I cannot afford to wait for a prospect that, that's this old if I spend an early second round pick on him. It just won't work for me. Next up, Michael Penix Jr., quarterback, Vikings, 42nd overall. I got to tell you, I don't hate Michael Penix as a prospect, but it just shows We've gone through a lot of really good players. So in Superflex, if a solid quarterback prospect with high second-round draft capital slips this far, it's tough. A lot of running backs and wide receivers landed well and got good draft capital, especially those in the early second. I think I'll just let someone else draft Penix. I don't see Penix as a successor, really. I Teams are re-emphasizing the backup quarterback position. I think teams are okay spending a second or third round pick on a quarterback that they don't intend to be their starter, but if the need arises, could be their starter. I think teams are okay with that because of the backup quarterback market and how necessary they've been lately. In this scenario, given that the Falcons drafted J.J. McCarthy, I would think that this means that the Vikings retained Kirk Cousins. And drafted Penix as a long-term successor, backup, kind of in a Hendon Hooker model, except, you know, a little bit higher end and someone who's not injured. I'll let someone else draft Penix. Um, and I do think this is the kind of scenario Penix is going into. I think he's going to go in somewhere in the second round to somewhere that has an established quarterback for at least a year. Not like Will Levis with Ryan Tannehill. Someone who's more established than that as kind of a backup development project. We can just redo it for Bo Nix. I dislike Bo Nix as a prospect. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. His college career says that he is not it in the NFL whatsoever. Took way too long. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't get it. The only thing I liked is he was going to get draft capital. If he falls to quarterback six, I'll have no interest. 44th overall, someone else can waste their time. I don't know what the Raiders did here, 
that they waited until 44th overall. Maybe this is where Justin Fields went, and they have Bo Nix as kind of a backup plan. Again, I don't really know, but I'm not I'm not a fan. Unless this is Bo Nix as the starter, which is possible. If, if the depth chart after this pick is Bo Nix and Aiden O'Connell, I would feel very differently about it because he'd get a chance, and a chance in Superflex is all you need. So maybe I'd have him in mid-second. But if this is sitting behind some sort of established incumbent, I'm not interested. Someone else can waste the time on Bo Nix. Now, we saw that for a second. We're getting into the bonus third round. But of course, remember to like, comment, and subscribe, and sign up for the Patreon. Patreon.com slash fantasy advice. You can find it up there. Bonus! Bonus third round. Let's go. Jatavion Sanders, tight into the Bengals, 49th overall. This is a great landing spot. It's just stunning that a second-round tight end heading to the Bengals isn't even a second-round pick. But in non-tight end premium, it's such a deep class. I'd love to draft him here. But, man, I, I don't know. Like, could you put him ahead of Braylon Allen running back on the Chiefs? Or, you know, someone like Xavier Leggett, who was drafted the 49ers, great prospect. You know, ahead of quarterbacks who were drafted even higher in non-tight end premium. It's tough. This is kind of the end of a tier, though. It's 25 players, I think, very highly valued. And then there's a big drop-off from Sanders to the next guy. But I, I will tell you, I'm loving this class so far. Because even the, after the drop-off, we're talking about a drop-off from exciting to still kind of interesting. It's just not exciting, as exciting. But you'll see as we move on, we're going to talk about 11 more players that I'm still excited by. At least a little bit. Tez Walker. Wide receiver Falcon, 79th overall. I like him. It's tough with McCarthy at quarterback, but at least it's not Desmond Ritter. I will say, Walker will never, ever, ever pass Drake London for wide receiver one. The presence of Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier mean this is a run-heavy offense. However, the Rams-style scheme says that wide receivers, three wide receivers will be on the field almost completely, playing 11 personnel. So Walker will get his chance. Playing and producing are not the same thing. So we're going to see what that means. I don't hate the landing spot. I don't mind the draft capital. And he's definitely someone, a third-round pick, makes sense. Jalen Polk, wide receiver of the Buccaneers, 89th overall. To me, is this Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Jalen Polk competing with Trey Palmer? Or is it Chris Godwin, Jalen Polk, Trey Palmer, and some other random guy competing? If it's no Mike Evans, I like this a lot more. If Mike Evans comes back, I like it a lot less because I just don't think there's really room for anyone beyond those top two. Forget even competing with Trey Palmer and Kate Onan to succeed. So this kind of split the difference of those two scenarios. But if it's the Mike Evans is still there scenario, Polk would be a little bit lower. I'm just not willing to wait on a third round, third round wide receiver who just doesn't have a pass, really. That's the key thing. As we get out of the second round, and we start to move into the third round, I care a lot more about the path to targets and playing time for the wide receiver than the exact draft capital or the talent. Second round picks, they're usually expected to be starters. Third round picks, not so much. Jalen Wright, running back, Chargers, 105th overall, and here we have the trap. I guarantee you, guarantee that if this is really what happens, and Wright goes here. He'll be a mid-second round pick in rookie drafts. But 
Running backs drafted on day three have a horrific track record. I mean, really bad. I'll be happy to take a late shot on right. He'll be out of my price range. I will not be interested in the mid-second, which is where he's going to go. So, you know, maybe I could... I don't think I could consider getting him into the second round. So, I'll probably be out. So, let's... Uh, let's see. So, we have a few, few more players to go through. So, the next one... And I think you'll see that we're starting to get into the speculative range. Audric Estime, running back, Vikings, 129th overall. I'm really disappointed, if I'm being honest, by this landing spot for Estime. He just I thought he would be in the maybe the late third, but this is the late fourth. They'll have a chance to ascend the step chart. I would assume. This means they still have Alexander Madison on a cheap deal. They have Ty Chandler, who was the starter at the end of the year. And Estime would probably be their depth chart. I'd much rather take Estime versus what Wright will cost. But unless it's coming here in like the mid-third, I'm probably out. We'll see. I really hope this isn't really what happens. I hope he goes higher than this. Next up, Marshawn Lloyd running back to the Bengals, 115th overall. Kind of in the middle of Wright and Estime. I like this landing spot a little bit. The wheels are kind of coming off Joe Mixon. Mixon, Chase Brown, and Lloyd feels like a good balanced backfield for 2024. Lloyd would have a good path to playing time. I think he's a better player than Chase Brown. But again, we know the track record of day three running backs. I think this is a fair price. He'll probably get pushed up the board and I won't be interested. Now, two wide receivers who also went in the third round, but... I really just don't like them, nor their spot. I'm just not that excited. Brendan Rice, wide receiver to the Browns, 85th overall. Rice is not his father, Jerry Rice. It's a rough landing spot. Rice is not, I mean, I don't know. Is there a guarantee he's ahead of Cedric Tillman? No. Is he going to pass Amari Cooper or David Njoku to open the year? Probably not. Is Elijah Moore still there? Competition, much better player, prospect than Brendan Rice? Absolutely. So it's tough. I this is a tough spot. I'm not going to be excited by necessarily by a third round wide receiver who goes to the Browns again with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. This this is a spot that's kind of a miss for me. And Rice is not someone where I'm excited by him as a prospect anyway. So for those reasons, I'm fine pushing him down the board. Similarly, Jacob Cowing, wide receiver to the Cowboys, 87th overall. Kind of reminds me of Michael Wilson in 2023. I don't think many people have Cowing as a third-round pick. I certainly don't. But under the radar player who goes in the third round, generally, if a wide receiver goes in the third round of the NFL draft, he should be at least a third-round pick in rookie drafts. Should not fall to the fourth. So I'm okay taking him here. I do like the idea of the spot in the Cowboys. We'd have to see... Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, if they're still there. But if one of them at least is gone, there's a spot for Cowing to play, especially if it's Gallup. So I don't hate it, but I'm not, I don't feel a need. CeeDee Lamb is going to crush the upside of any other wide receivers on the Cowboys. Next up, Will Shipley, running back 49ers. Mm. 49ers are one of my least favorite landing spots for a running back. They keep drafting them. They keep not working out. And they've all been drafted by Kyle Shanahan. Like, what, what have we done this? Four times? Shipley's not going to challenge Christian McCaffrey for any playing time. 
He's not going to challenge Elijah Mitchell for the backup role. There's no guarantee he even passes Jordan Mason. This is nothing but a flyer. If Will, if you told me Will Shipley didn't make the team, I wouldn't be that surprised. So, yeah, I'll I'll pass on Will Shipley. There's a reason that all of the other players went first. <laughs> Next up, Ray Davis, running back Ravens, 133rd overall. I'd love to take a shot on Davis, but this spot is pretty bad. I think the Ravens are a contender for Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley. And if it's Saquon Barkley or Derrick Henry or Josh Jacobs, for example, they're getting a multi-year guarantee. Ray Davis turns 25 in the season. He's older than Javante Williams is now. I'm good. I'm good on Ray Davis. I just, I don't, I don't see the appeal. Next, Jalen McMillan, wide receiver also to the Cardinals, alongside Marvin Harrison Jr. He'll compete with Rondell Moore for and Michael Wilson for that wide receiver two spot. He's a great prospect for this part of the draft. He's pushed down by all the other good prospects. Like I said, he'll have to fight, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., Trey McBride, Michael Wilson, Rondo Moore for targets and playing time. Is it the best spot? No. But if he can become the clear three behind Marvin Harrison Jr. and Trey McBride, he has an opportunity to succeed. But he'd have to essentially dismiss Michael Wilson and Rondale Moore to do that. And Wilson was flashed last year. So it's not a guarantee. 311 is a good spot for him because he's a known name with known talent. So if he hits, people will believe it. Last one, Spencer Rattler. I got to tell you, this 312 feels a little low. 118th overall. I have a feeling he might see playing time if he really went to the Seahawks here. If he really goes in the fourth to the Seahawks, I certainly can't let him fall out of the third round. I might even have to push him a little higher. I don't want to get carried away because there were good players in this third round, like Devontae Walker, Jalen Polk, Jalen Wright with the shot on the Chargers. But if you wanted to take Rattler at 305, 306 in this landing spot, I'm okay with that. But it is hard for these day three quarterbacks to ever hit. They usually don't become worth much more than a future second at most, and even that's hard to get for them. So... At 312, there's ultimate value upside. And honestly, looking at it again, maybe I should have had him at more like 309 or 308. So something to consider. Now, despite covering 36 players, there were other players that were exciting. Javon Baker went to the Jaguars at 116th overall. Jamari Thrash went to the Jets 101st overall. Ricky Pearsall, who I like, went to the Bears 110th overall. I mean... Those are good players, and we didn't even get to them. Johnny Wilson went to the Colts, a player who was exciting for a lot of people. Dylan Lobb went running back, went to the Patriots in the fifth round. I mean, he's certainly worth a draft pick. And then Theo Johnson and Ben Sinat went in the fourth round as tight ends to the Commanders and the Panthers. Might be some interest there. Those are some players that would have probably been worth drafting in a four-round rookie draft. But this is a great class. And I want to close on that. What I learned from this exercise is that the top of this class is very exciting. We're very excited by the top of this class. The middle of this class, I think we're more excited by the number of players than any specific players. I think I'm more excited by the idea of like Jatavion Sanders being at the 301 or Xavier Leggett at the 208 than I am by, you know, Xavier Worthy at the 112. I don't see that much of a difference between those players, even with the draft capital and landing spot. So 
Obviously, it's never a guarantee, but I would say target those mid to late second round picks. They're probably undervalued. Late first round picks may be overvalued. So that's kind of my big takeaway to wrap all of this up. Now, if you've stayed with me with this marathon show, I want to thank you for watching. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. And also sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash fantasy advice, where you can get all of my rookie ranks. But until next time, once again, thanks for watching, and I'll see you all later. Peace out.